So I think we've got to let go of some of our anxiety about the future and realize that if we focus on our values and applying that decision today, whether it's in our business, in our family, it's in our life, the future's gonna take care of itself. On this episode of C-Level, I get to sit down with Shane Jackson, president of Jackson Healthcare. Shane, I'm super excited to have you on today. I know I know we were trying to get together a couple of times and then yeah. obviously COVID hit and so we had to, you know, schedule, reschedule, reschedule, reschedule. And just so everybody who's watching in, in the video, we are six feet apart. Yeah, so so yeah. even though we're yeah. not yeah. we're not wearing our mask, but um, so Shane, I'm really big into people's backgrounds and how they got started. And you know, I know you're the president of Jackson Healthcare, mm-hmm. you know, father and husband and you know, mentor of youth but an actor? (laughs) (laughs) Jim, right into acting. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, uh, I, through high school and college, and then even, you know, kind of after that for a while, uh, uh, really uh, as a musician uh, and actor, and it's just always been such a great passion for me. And really, as we were talking a little while ago, the uh, surge of, content, movie content, everything's being produced here in Georgia where we are, really created the opportunity the last few years to be able to re-engage in that a little bit. And so, yeah, so uh, I've gotten to do, you know, a small handful of uh, feature league films and, you know, some other things that no one will ever (laughs) see Um, and uh, just love it Um, and and now looking at dipping toe into production and writing and and all of that you know when things actually start getting produced again yeah you know, right. be able to do some of that well, but i, I, I know i know i liked it for a reason yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. uh yeah i tell you though it is it is strange as it sounds i think my background and passion for the arts has really been a huge benefit to me in my business career as well uh, because understanding storytelling and understanding how people uh, consume information, what moves them, what uh, uh, gives them understanding, what creates emotions, all that, is as a leader is vitally important. Mm -hmm. And so I actually, as strange as it sounds, I think the the acting and the the arts and the music and all that, that that part of my world actually really has benefited the the benefit, the the business part. It it makes sense. I mean, because it's all about communication, right? And and the way that you're communicating with your people, you know, if you if you have that acting background, right? So so back in, you know, the way actors are trained is you're you're telling a story, right? right? And, and when you're a public speaker, and you, I know you do some speaking sure. too, so when you're, you're addressing an audience and you have the inflection in your voice and you're engaging with your audience, that training actually does help you in the business world as well. That's right. And just in general, the understanding that people retain stories, they don't retain information. Yes. Right? You know, and so if you sit there and listen to a, a, a lecture and someone's just reciting historical facts, you know, I can remember that. But as I was talking to my 15-year-old son the other day about Band of Brothers, like that's that story sticks with me, right? And so it's just even understanding as a leader, as a spouse, as a, you know, whatever, 
how to communicate with people in a way that's going to resonate with them, that's going to move them, that's going to be memorable. And frankly, just the understanding that story is probably the best way you can do that. Yeah. So on, on the topic of story, let's let's talk about Jackson Healthcare and, and the, the story behind Jackson Healthcare. And you know, being being in the top three uh, medical you know staffing companies in, in the United States, what, what type of role does Jackson Healthcare play? And, and give me some of the background behind it. Sure. So most people don't even realize that what we do is a thing, mm. and and it's been interesting over the whole pandemic shelter in place and all of this uh, as it's been much more in people's consciousness that, oh, wow, are, like, do we have enough doctors and nurses to take care of all these patients? Right. Most people don't, don't think about that all the time. And so getting to talk to people in the media and just people in, in different walks of life and explain to them the role that we play in making sure that patients, wherever they are, have access to care. And they're like, I didn't even know that existed. And so, so that's what we do. Our, our, the purpose of our business is to make sure that uh, we are able to have a patient, no matter where they are, um, get timely care. And we do that through a number of ways. The biggest thing we do is through healthcare staffing. And so we send doctors and nurses and therapists and pharmacists and you, know, you name it. If they're involved in taking care of a patient, we move them typically on a temporary basis to different areas of the country uh, that have needs to see patients. We do it physically. We also do it virtually. You know, before everyone yeah. was doing virtual, we've yeah. been doing telemedicine Tele for, yeah, yeah. for several years. Yeah. We're one of the largest providers of telemedicine in the country. Um, and then we do it through other technologies and things that make sure that patients are seen very efficiently. Uh, and so that's, that's what we do. And, and I, I was talking to someone not too long ago about this and they're like, okay, well, like, help me understand this. So you mean like a doctor like works as a temp? Mm. Like, yeah, they do. <laughs> like, Whoa. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. But there's a big population of medical providers, doctors, nurses, that this is what they do, this is how they work, and they will go and work in one place for three months, and then they go somewhere else and work for a month, and uh, move around to make sure the patients are getting taken care of. I mean, and we obviously have seen a huge spike in this with COVID and, and you know, the need of, of critical care nurses and doctors and, and, you know, some of the hard hit areas, you know, it, it blows my mind. How, how did you guys, manage to put these people across multiple states? Like, what, how, what was your process with all that? Well, so it's, it's what we do. We work in all 50 states. Um, and so we're normally every day, all day, this is what we do. And we're even used to working in these surge situations. It's been interesting over the last uh, several weeks and months that I think people are learning about flu season from the standpoint of, like most people don't know that like 50,000 people die from the flu every year. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people are hospitalized from the flu every year. Like, it, it, you know, it's never in the news. We're learning about it now because of everything going on. I know a lot about the flu season. We track it carefully because when there's a big flu outbreak somewhere, guess what happens? Hospital admissions go up, ICUs get filled, staff of nurses and doctors there get sick and they so we have to send in a bunch of nurses out. And so it's, it's like, this is what we do. This is, this is what we're used to. And we have 
relationships with and and uh, you know ongoing our employees and people we contract with are thousands and thousands of doctors and nurses and we have uh, great relationships with literally thousands of healthcare providers around the country these facilities and um and it's just kind of this big puzzle yeah you know that we put together all the time yeah i mean i, I can imagine like you're on like speed dial like when yeah. when something happens and you know they call you guys because yep. i mean you see i mean there's the areas that that got hit the hardest like i remember like new york you know mm -hmm. was was uh, really, really searching for people. And, and I know people, a lot of people from, from Atlanta went up to New York. Sure. And it's just, you see a lot of that movement. It's a, it's a great service that you guys provide. And you're right, I don't think too many people think, you know, when they, they see the doctor, it's like, oh yeah, I'm only here for a few weeks. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. and traveling out. Um, so we, we get like a lot of people, um, you know, we get a lot of entrepreneurs and, and CEOs and, and, you know, that watch the show and, during this time, during during COVID, you know, specifically in leading, uh, a lot of questions are being asked. What are some insights uh, that you have uh, for leading people during during a crisis like this? As a leader, the last few weeks, months have been a crucible that has magnified everything that you have probably ever thought that you need to do as a leader. And just, it's been interesting to see as people come out and talk about this and kind of leadership experts and that sort of thing, and here's what you need to do. None of it's new, mm. right? It's now like all of a sudden that, okay, now that we're in a pandemic, here's what we need leaders to do. What it's done is put a huge focus and a much bigger emphasis on these core things that leaders need to do and, you know, around, uh, you know, communicating and transparency and vision setting and all, th like all those sort of things. We, we can talk about that. Um, but I think what's changed is that we're in a place as individuals, much less as a society, where we're dealing with more societal uncertainty than really probably any of us in our lifetime have had to deal with. I mean, we've been through the Great Recession and we've been through wars and, and all that sort of thing. I don't think anything that we've been through societally compares to the stress, pressure, and incredible levels of uncertainty that this has placed in our lives. And so anxiety is sky high. And so when you are in a position where you have so, so such little visibility into the future, such uncertainty about what's going to happen, um, you're looking for answers. And, and I think a lot of what we're seeing around just even the response to the way that people are looking at what the government is doing, whether it's federal government or the state government or how businesses are answering and all that sort of thing, it's because there's this void, there's this hole, and there's this yearning that people have right now. And they're looking to leaders in any shape or form to uh, to to provide some answers, and the problem is we don't have answers. Right. And and so you know, as you think about as a leader, what you need to do right now, one of the first things and, and one of the most important things I think you can do is not pretend that you have answers that you don't have. Uh, I was telling somebody this uh, the other day that one, you know, like most businesses right now, there's just you know it's tough market. It's a tough economy. 
And so, you know, when you're, you know, horse racing, whatever, and you're behind, like, you know, what, what's the jockey do? He starts whipping the horse. And so as a leader right now, like, it's tough. We don't know where the next quarter sales are going to come from, whatever. Like, our tendency is to start whipping that horse. Right. Well, guess what? The horses have been whipped like crazy right now. They're getting, <laughs> you know, they're getting hit by ever. Yeah. It's not what they need. It's not what our people need. People don't need a commander to say, go take that hill. What they want right now is somebody who's going to jump in the foxhole with them. Yes. And then to say, I don't, look, I, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work out either. But what I'm telling you is that I'm here with you. Yeah. And we're going to figure it out together. And by the way, all of the, the values, everything that we've ever brought to every decision we're going to make, we're going to keep doing it that way. And we're going to take, you know, today and then we're going to take tomorrow and we're going to be in it together. And I think... It, that kind of leadership approach right now, um, first of all, makes you real. It doesn't set you up as be a target of, well, you said this, and then that's not what ha what happened. But the biggest thing is it attacks is isolation. I mean, we're we're dealing with all this uncertainty, all this stress, and we're forcing people to be literally isolated, not just emotionally isolated. Right. If I can be with you and help address that isolation, I'm, I'm still stressing all that, but at least I'm not alone. And that's, that's where our leaders have got to be right now. It's such a great point because, you know, if you're, if you're the leader at a mountaintop pointing, hey, you know, you got to go do this, as opposed to, you know what, let's lock arms. Yeah. Let's, let's take this together. Getting down in the weeds with them as a leader is, is really, really important because, you know, it, there is uncertainty. And, and you know, I've, I've talked about this, too, with, with some, some of my employees is that, like, yeah, I don't have the answers, but we're going to go through this together. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to get through it. I don't know how, but we're going to get through it, and we'll figure it out. And, and as obstacles come our way, we'll address that and then keep moving forward. And, and I think with that, when the leader comes down and works alongside their people, the, the, the workplace culture is, is strengthened. And, and so I think one, one of the, the really cool things, so, so it's, it's uh, not unknown that, that Jackson Healthcare has an amazing workplace culture. So what I would like to know from you is how were you guys able to maintain that workplace culture when everybody had to go work remote, right? Yeah. And then most importantly, how did you maintain that when you opened your doors and everybody started coming back? Sure. I, I think the amazing culture that we have carried through, you know, Zoom and Teams and, and, and having everyone spread out. And I think we were, had the benefit of so much um, just so many relationships, so much momentum, like, you know, on our culture and, and carried through, you know, however, as this has gone from, you know, four weeks to eight weeks to four months, and now not knowing how long this is going to be, uh, we're really having to think about right now, what is it that enabled us to have that culture um, to, to build that and, and then how do we sustain this, right? Because I think a lot of people experience that. I heard a lot of comments back in like, you know, April, March, April, and May. They're like, oh, it's great. We're just so connected and all that. But I was, I was actually talking to somebody, one of our leaders about this the other day. We do, right, like a lot of companies, strategic planning in the fall. You know, we do have a, a budget season. We go into a new year. We do strategic planning. And so we do these offsite 
strategic planning things, you know, and we go and we get in a hotel for three or four days and we're whiteboarding and we're all that sort of thing. Um, and they're great. And there's a lot of things that good that happen in those sessions. The best thing that happens there is the dinners and the happy hours yeah. and all that that happen yeah. afterwards. Right. And it's not just because, you know, the company pays for the drinks that day. <laughs> it's, it's because it's all those side interactions and just that, that time where people get to be real with each other. And it's like, Oh, Hey, Chris, I want to talk to you about this. And you know, that sort of thing. And, and we're looking at going into a planning season where we, we miss that. And I'm thinking about these relationships I have with so many of our people up here that have been just formed and strengthened and all that because of that personal interaction. And I've done the you know, we've done the Zoom happy hours yeah, and, and all yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. And it's kind of, you know, it was kind of cool at first. But I, I don't know about you. What I've seen is that those have started to kind of go away. Yeah. And because you, it, it's so hard to get that same, like, oh, let's go over here and have a beer and talk for a minute, right? You, you just, you miss that kind of one-on-one when it's, when it's the group. And so, um, you know, we're, we're really looking at how do we allow our people to engage in a way that's safe, um, and, and, and healthy, um, but doesn't dismiss the importance of some of that interaction. And, uh, you know, look, it's, I've got a whole book on this. You can talk in the book, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the yeah. culture, the culture of a company is based on the, the, uh, the values and beliefs of that group. Right. And so if you have a bunch of people that are, have similar values and beliefs, it means they, approach decisions the same, it may, you know, they, they, they just think the same or whatever, and it creates this really kind of strong culture. But where those are discovered and learned and taught and all that, that's where, that's what we're trying to figure out right now is how do we, how do we do this in a way that's healthy and safe and allows people that need to shelter in place to shelter in place and, and, but yet also allows us to either physically or virtually create those connections. Mm. I mean, are you are you thinking like maybe creating settings where people can come together but still socially distance and, and having those types of events or, or, or something? I mean, yeah, yeah, I think it's both. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I you know, look, there are people who either on medical necessity or just because of where they are psychologically right mm -hmm. now, who either shouldn't or won't come out in public. Yeah. You know, and so and so we got to be sensitive to that. But I do also think that there's a way that we can safely allow people to get together and socially distanced and masked and whatever right. else, you know, we need right. to do um, to, to just get that energy. I had a meeting today. It was so fun. So I walked, we have this huge conference room here. We yeah. call it, it's like the UN. Yeah. It's massive. It's got this, yeah. this huge table and it, like this table seats like 40 something, 45 people. Yeah. I think there was like, 15 in this meeting, like we were all spread out around it, whatever. And, and so I was going to this meeting and I was just looking for the teams thing. And they're like, no, they're actually doing it in person. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And so I walked up the hill, the other building on our campus. I walked in and there's like 14 other people in there. And I'm like, this is so exciting. You know, and we're like, you know, every third seat, you know, yeah. spread around yeah. the yeah. You know, and whatever. And I told them, I was like, this is like, literally this is the most people I've been in a right. room with in months. Right. Like this is right. so cool. But we were talking about it. The energy is so different. Yeah, it's just you different than the team. Right? You can't do no. it, and so we got to look for opportunities to do that that are healthy. But at the same time, also realizing that there are some limitations there. 
and I can't have the meeting with 45 people in that room. Right. And so how do we do that? And so we're, you know, even brainstorming on how do we, instead of having a bunch of people on a team's call, how do we purposefully put people into positions where they're virtually connecting? One of my, as you walk around and see our campus, one of the things that we were really, really purposeful about, and, and from the first meeting I had with the architects to design this place, was I told them, I want you to focus on collision points, right? I want you to make some things purposefully inconvenient so that people have to go somewhere in order to do what they need to do. And so they'll run into other people, like collide with other people on the way. Yeah. Because there's there's just magic in that, right? right. And it's and get people out of their routine, get people out, you know, seeing people that they don't normally talk to. And then all of a sudden I'm talking to someone new and we get this idea. Yeah. And, um, and so, so we want to get people as much as we can safely have physical collision points. How do we do it virtually, right? How do we, how do I simulate online connecting you with someone that normally you would never talk to just in case maybe there's some magic in that interaction. And so it's tough to do. We're trying to figure out how to, because it's got to be a both end. It can't be neither or right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, a couple of, couple of points that you hit on it. There is a, definitely a different energy when you're, when you're with people. I remember the first time when we actually went back to the studio and we're like, man, I feel so, so, so much energy. I was like, yeah. I feel like I haven't seen you guys in years, you know? And so, um, yeah, you've got that. And then also you mentioned about, you know, there's some people that aren't, you know, they, they still, they just don't feel that it's safe enough. And, and I often wonder when we get through this thing, because we're going to get through this thing, but when, when we get through this, even as the numbers start declining, how many people are still going to be up here? I can't go out. I can't do that. And I think that's what's going to prolong this thing longer than it actually, you know, it may end. And, but it's that. And so I think there's going to be, you know, some of that to where people have to feel, start feeling safe. They have to understand, you know, that, that, you know, if 300 people in Minnesota have it, you know, it's not like, you know, <laughs> it's the end of the world. Like you still it's try to start making those steps to start connecting with people again. And, and, you know, there's going to be a time and place for that, you know, but mentally people have to be ready uh, to, take that next step to get out and start connecting again. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think as leaders, we've got to understand that we're going to have people on our teams that we're leading. They're going to be all across that spectrum, right? And, and if you look at it, I mean, it's, kind of, it's the bell curve, right? You know, you got a few people, they're really, really frightened by this and won't go out. And then you got a few people on the other side that think it's a hoax and whatever, you know, and then, yeah. and then you have a lot of people that are somewhere on that spectrum in between. Um, but, you know, uh, I, have, I have a child who has um, uh, compromised breathing. And so we were really going through a decision that a lot of people were facing of, do we send her back to school or not? And which sounds like, you know, it's a decision, oh, she has compromised breathing, like, you know, you, you don't expose her to this, whatever. But as every parent can tell you, that's not the whole story. I mean, there's tremendous um, social factors we consider for her. I mean, again, so many people are in isolation, and especially for teenagers and that sort of thing, like wh what that does. I mean, there's just, there's just a lot to it. And we were really stressed about this. And, and, and my wife and I sitting and talking about like, what's the, like, what's the right thing to do here or verbiage that we like to use? Like, what's the wise thing to do? Because there's no right answer. Right. 
And but it just really got me thinking of what how do you even consider answering some of these hard questions that we're all facing right now and these these really difficult decisions that that we're having to consider when I don't know what's going to happen like next week, much less what's going to be the best thing that I'm going to be glad I did for my daughter two years or five years or 10 years from now, because I don't even know what that's going to look like. I have so little insight into the future um, compared to what I typically have felt like. And obviously we never really know what's going to happen in the future, Mm -hmm. but it's just the, the level of uncertainty feels huge. How do I even... How do I even do that? How do I approach that decision personally, much less how do I approach that decision for my business and these thousands of people that, that have the, the opportunity and responsibility of leading? And how do you do that? And I would just say whether you are, whether you're a, a business leader, whether you're, uh, uh, you know, in, in your family and relationships, whatever else, I would submit to you that you have always made decisions the same way. You have values, things that, these principles that just, they have such great worth to you that when you act against them, like you just feel awful, right? But, but they're just, these principles are they're important to you, the driver you make the decision. You have beliefs on things that work, that don't work, things that are true, that are untrue. All those things in your life, in your mind, they drive the decisions that you make. And I think the most important thing we can do right now is to be honest about what those are. What are those things that I hold dear that drive the decisions I make? And then ask for a question is, are those things trustworthy? The, the, where, I, where I learn these values, is that, does that look like something that is worthwhile given today's world? Like, is that a place I can trust to apply to making those decisions? And if that's the case, don't stress about what decision you're going to make. Because, because those values, those things are, that are driving your decisions, they're going to work for you regardless of how much foresight you have into the future. And so I think we've got to let go of some of our anxiety about the future and realize that if we focus on our values and applying that decision today, whether it's in our business, in our family, it's in our life, the future's gonna take care of itself. I love that. So staying true to your values, don't look in the future in fear, but look around in awareness. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a good way to say it. I like that. I'm gonna use that. You steal it from me. Go ahead. (laughs) Hey, Shane, I really appreciate you coming out here, and thank you so much for uh, making sure that all our frontlines workers are staffed and and helping this this country and the world of of what we need right now. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks. So glad to be here. Thanks. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into the episode. If you guys enjoyed it, show some love. Give me a thumbs up and subscribe. Also, make sure you check out our exclusive C level group on Facebook. Thank you.